On episode 65 of DevTalk, I speak to Michaela Hutchinson about .NET 6, T4, and MS Build. Welcome to another episode of DevTalk. My name is Carrie Lothrop, and today's guest is Michaela Hutchinson. Michaela is a PM architect at Microsoft, and I've met her a couple of times, and I'm really happy to have her on the show today. Hello, Michaela. Hello. Michaela, I've never heard of this title before at Microsoft. Is this something, are you a PM or an architect? Um, yes, it's a new It's a new title. We're currently trying to figure out what exactly that role is. It's meant to be a role on the PM team that kind of mirrors the role of architects on the dev team. Uh, so it's kind of looking at the big picture, looking at the work a lot of teams are doing and trying to make sure that it's all it it all works towards a consistent overall vision and that we're working in a good, strong overall direction. And I know you from your days. You were once an employee at Xamarin and you got acquired with uh, the rest of the lot at like mm -hmm. five years ago already. Mm -hmm. And are yep. you still working in that area? Uh, yes, uh, that is one of the areas I work on. Though, though my purview is 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 broader than that now. That's one of my areas of expertise. Okay, uh, so I, I heard you're you're working on .NET six. You consider yourself part of the .NET six team now, or how, how does it organized there? Yes, uh, so I have been involved in the .NET six effort. Um, so part of that has been looking at uh, Maui. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't been too closely involved with that, but kind of making sure that uh, the underlying changes in I in iOS and Android to make them into platforms that are part of the .NET SDK consistent with the rest of the platform. So if you tried .NET 6, um, now you can just set your target framework to .NET 6-iOS and you'll get an iOS flavored version of dot of .NET six. Okay. Um, but aside from that, the pro the project files are the same. You don't have to import any special targets or anything like that. So what does that mean? Does that mean you get the what used to be the mono compiler to compile your code, or what what is what is that flavor of of .NET that you mean? So everything's now compiling with the .NET six toolchain, so what previously used to be .NET Core. Mm -hmm. So for iOS and Android, we're moving. Um, so the whole toolchain is using the .NET um, version of MS Build and compiling against the class libraries uh, and so on. And that's not too different. Like if you used to, if you built an iOS or Android project uh, before that, you were still getting the, the Roslyn CSC compiler. Um, but it's there were a few differences, and now a lot of those differences ha have gone away. Mm -hmm. um, at, when you run your app on device, it's going to be running with the mono runtime um, on both iOS and Android, but it's kind of transparent. Uh, one of the big changes is that it's now using the same class libraries uh, as you'd get when you're running .NET 6. Uh, ah. anywhere else. So you don't have these kind of like subtle differences where iOS and Android like maybe have some different APIs in their, in their class libraries, like some of the APIs don't work, or maybe some of the APIs aren't available, or maybe they have some extra uh, .NET Framework APIs that weren't in .NET Core. 
um, but now that's fully unified. So you get the exact same version of system.dll and so on um, on all platforms. Uh, and then on top of that, we layer the iOS and Android platform bindings. So when you compile mm. against the uh, Net 6.0 target framework, you get that, that core set of class libraries that run on all platforms. And when you compile against Net 6-iOS, you get that plus the iOS bindings. And then the same for Android. And there's now uh, there's also uh, Net 6 Net 6.0-Windows. So Windows isn't something that's kind of like special uh, anymore. It's just another of the platforms. Um, and the thing that I'm most excited about is multi-targeting. So oh. you can now have an SDK-style uh, project, um, these lovely, beautiful, short MS build files, um, and you can have target frameworks, plural, mm -hmm. and you could have Target Frameworks, Net60, semicolon, Net60-iOS, semicolon, Net60-Android, semicolon, um, and then Net60-Windows, semicolon, Net60-MacOS, semicolon. And then when you compile it, it's going to compile it once for all of, once for each of those. Yeah. So you can use platform-specific ifdefs in your code with a single project. So that's allowing us to move to a state where when you have a, a Maui project, um, you don't have like a shared project and then a bunch of head projects for mm -hmm. each of the platforms. You just have one multi-targeted project that then compiles kind of different flavors for the different platforms. Yeah, so I heard that it it's now possible to write a cross-platform app that, that's just one CS proj. Is, is that yep. this is what's new with .NET 6, right? Yes, this is okay. this is what multi-targeting gives you. So like your iTunes artwork and, and all those things are they're they're now in that one project and they just get pulled in for for that target. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah, we we've we've also been doing some work in Maui. So a lot of resources um, like images and splash screens and fonts and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have like the different um, item types for the different platforms. We have common item types that then will be transformed to an appropriate form for each of the platforms. So That's really it makes nice, it, yeah. It, it, yeah, it makes it a, a lot easier to target multiple platforms. Now, when, when you're, project is compiled for each of those platforms, it's running with the full, it's compiling with the full MS build targets for that platform. So you mm -hmm. still have full access to all of the native functionality, all of the native uh, MS build properties and item types and so on. So it's kind of analogous to Maui itself. Like Maui, you write code that will run everywhere, mm -hmm. but you have some limitations. Um, but if you want, you can mix and match Maui with native code, with code that uses the native um, the native UI and APIs for that platform. Okay. So MS Build is kind of the projects are now becoming similar to that in that you have like your common project format, which will run on all um, on all platforms. But then if you want, you can customize it for each of the targets in in target specific ways. Okay, nice. Right, and you mentioned now, so the 
basically everything that is .NET libraries, everything system anything. This is all just one big code base now, and I'm wondering if is this what used to be .NET Core, or is this what used to be Mono, or is it a mix, or what, what did you throw away? It's a it's a it's a mix. So okay. in dot in .NET five, the kind of .NET Core line, we dropped the core, so it just became .NET um, five, mm-hmm. um, and .NET six continues that. So it's it's. Yep. It's kind of meant to reinforce the idea that there's just one .NET, and we have this big project to unify all of the all of the .NETs into a single .NET. So you don't have to be aware of all of these different versions that have slightly different rules. Um, so mm-hmm. what we're doing in in .NET six is is kind of a culmination of that in that iOS and Android are becoming fully integrated uh, into it. So. If you go on GitHub and look at the and look at the GitHub.com/slash.NET/slash/runtime uh, repo, you'll see that the monocode base is actually now inside the the .NET runtime repo. So all of it, or just some parts? The um, the runtime. So okay. the cl- the class libraries aren't because we've mm-hmm. moved over to using just one standardized set of class libraries. Yeah. So we've moved on from where Mono had its own implementation uh, of those class libraries that w- would sometimes behave in slightly different ways uh, because they were black box reverse engineered uh, mm-hmm. in many cases. Uh, and yeah, so, but the Mono runtime can do things that that Core CLR currently can't, okay. uh, like like running on iOS and running on Android and running on WebAssembly. The the um, AOT part of yes. it, right? Okay. Yes, the specifically the full AOT, mm-hmm. the ability like so Core CLR can do AOT, uh, though it's called uh, re- ready to run, which is something that's performed by the cross gen compiler. Mm-hmm. But even if you use that, it will only it will only AOT a subset of your code. There are st- there will still be parts that it needs to compile at runtime because there are things like generics where it's very difficult to statically determine all the different um, all the different reifications of the generic that you'll need, and because uh, if so it. For example, if they're for di- if you reify the generic for different sizes of struct, then the entire mm-hmm. layout, like the entire layout of the object, will change, and the code that interacts with that object has to change. Okay. Uh, so the mono uh, runtime has a lot of uh, really interesting um, smarts to allow it to still run in that case. So it's a it's able to share reifications between types of the same size um, and things like that. Um, uh, yeah. I, I I haven't I, the reification I haven't heard that in in the <laughs> .NET world. I know there's a reified keyword in Kotlin, and um, it, can you explain what that means? Um, yeah, it's just the technical term for when you take um, an an open type, uh, so list of t, and turn mm-hmm. it into a concrete type like list of int. Okay. A closed, a closed type. Okay, yeah. and so you mentioned the runtime, the class library, and what about the compiler? Is that Mono? Is that former .NET Core? 
the compiler, the C sharp compiler. Yeah. Um, the C sharp compiler is the Roslyn compiler. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, we'd actually been using that uh, with Xamarin for some years as as well. Um, okay. So that's not that's not really a change, though. It does mean you won't kind of like have to wait for things to synchronize because uh, everything's kind of moving forwards together. Uh, yeah. So you won't have some things lagging um, a little bit as you did in the past. Okay, cool. So every, everything's flowing together. Mm -hmm. Does it matter to the developer uh, which runtime is now being pulled in? Or are there, uh, there must be, plat must be platforms where I can decide which one I want? Or are there? Uh, we don't currently give you a choice to decide which runtime you want to use. Okay, but uh, technically we, you could write uh, on Windows, yeah. probably you could run both, right? Yes, on Windows and on Mac OS and on Linux. Mm -hmm. And there's actually a whole bunch of platforms Mono uh, supports that .NET uh, isn't currently supported on that we could, we could uh, enable. Uh, mm -hmm. But um, it's it's considered to be an implementation detail. Like it's not something that you as a developer have to be aware of unless you really want to look into like the native code generated by your application um, or the behavior of the garbage collector, mm -hmm. um, things like that. Like if you really want to get into the nitty gritty, nitty -gritty of how your IL um, gets uh, compiled into native code and executed, then yes, there will be differences between the two. Um, but if you're just writing C sharp code and running it, then you shouldn't you shouldn't see any um, any differences between the two. Like it should essentially be transparent. Yeah, yeah, that, that was my hope. <laughs> I saw you're also working on some uh, some open source side projects. Are these part of your job at Microsoft, or is this just a hobby? Um, it's just a hobby, though. I'm hoping it doesn't stay that way forever. <laughs> so I find it valuable to to keep keep on writing code. Like even though I'm a PM now, um, mm -hmm. I used to be a developer. Uh, and I, and given that my job is to understand developers and understand their needs, I, I feel like it's important for me to to keep that skill up so I can empathize better. So yeah. Uh, I do. I do have these two these two side projects that I'm relatively active on. Um, one of them is the is the Mono T4 implementation, which goes way, 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 way back. I wrote it in originally in 2009, I think, mm -hmm. to help get ASP.NET uh, MVC, which had just been open sourced. Um, I think one of the first things Microsoft open sourced. Yeah. Uh, to get that running on macOS. Uh, but yeah, uh, recently I've got that running on .NET um, Core, so now it runs it on .NET five. I created a global tool to kind of get get some experience with creating and publishing a global tool, and I've been building some MS Build targets for it. Um, and there's actually been a fair bit of interest in it because there's uh, so for folks who aren't familiar with um, with T yeah. four. It's a text templating language. Mm -hmm. It's kind of similar in theory to like Razor or maybe ASP.NET Web Forms going back some way. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's basically a way to mix and match text and C sharp in one 
file. So you can write logic in C sharp that controls how the text is emitted. So at the most basic level, you can use it to just substitute values into your text um, template. Mm -hmm. But you can also do more complicated things like have loops that generate a table based on data and, and so on. So uh, it's actually built into Visual Studio. Uh, so you can just create a .tt file. And when you save it, uh, Visual Studio will will generate either your text file, which can be whatever kind of text you want, um, or it also has the option of generating a so-called runtime uh, text template where it generates um, a class file, uh, so a C-sharp class. So it transforms the template itself into a class that is capable of doing what the template uh, is supposed to do. So you can then compile that class into your code and then use that class to do the text generation mm -hmm. at runtime. Uh, so it's a really neat way if you just want to generate text with values substituted in or text that's been shaped or transformed in some way uh, in your app at runtime. It's uh, super useful. I use it. I use it all the time whenever I want to generate a file um, or do any kind of templating, mm -hmm. just because it's it's built in. Um, and it's super flexible, super powerful. But the classes generated in Visual Studio don't run on .NET Core. Um, they rely on some old .NET Framework APIs. Uh, and you okay. also, if you have them hooked into your build, they won't run uh, outside of Windows with a VS installation. Like they won't, they won't run um, on on Mac or Linux or or um, or on a Windows CI machine that only has the .NET SDK. Ah. Um, so it's only Visual Studio for Windows? Yes. OK. Yes. So yeah, so I wanted to uh, carry on using it everywhere and mm -hmm. enable other people to do so. And uh, we've actually had people asking um, if it's something we, we would officially support. So um, I'm hopeful that could be the case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you, you mentioned some other templating templating mechanisms. When would you use this one over the existing ones or the official Microsoft ones? It depends what kind of templating you want to do. Like the other feature that's kind of, that's that's uh, very new and exciting right now, which is related to this, is uh, is source gen source generators. Mm -hmm. Source generators allow you to hook into the Roslyn C# -sharp compiler and and VB compiler and generate code as part of the compile. So the source generator can look over the model of your code, then generate more code that gets integrated into the compilation. Mm -hmm. Now, that is incredibly powerful for when you want to, when you want to generate C-sharp code based on your C-sharp, uh, because you get to look at the full the full model um, of your project, uh, of your project's code, as it is when it reaches the compiler. Um, and then you get to generate code that gets sucked right into the compiler. Uh, so source generators are, are really good for that. Um, I've actually been considering writing a, um, a T4 source generator um, because the model where you transform your T4 file to a to a class uh, would lend itself very well to being a source generator. 
So source generators are great for when you want to generate source code based on your source code. However, if you want to uh, generate any other kind of text, then source generators are just not for that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and source generators also have a little bit of, o of overhead, like it has to be a separate project. It's kind of a bit more involved to create a source generator, whereas a T4 file can just be like right-click, add, change a couple lines, and you're good. Okay. Yeah. Like you could write a source generator that was equivalent to T4 runtime templates, but source generators themselves don't do that job directly. Right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit involved. Um, I'm actually thinking of writing a um, a blog article on how to write a source generator that uses T4 to do its generation okay. to kind of to try and convince people that these aren't like T4 and source generators aren't things that are in opposition. Oh. Um, I I do hear people uh, thinking that source generators and and T4 are kind of like fundamentally kind of opposed to each other. They're both tools for the same job. And yeah. that's because a lot of people use T4 in the past to do the kinds of things that you would do with source generators. So people have that association. However, the, like I don't think they are fundamentally opposed. Source generators are a lot better at doing a particular kind of thing, uh, but T4 templates are more flexible. Mm -hmm. um, they can do a lot more things than source generators but they don't do the thing that source generators does as well as source generators does it. Okay. <laughs> and you mentioned another open source project. Is that the one with MS build? Yes. So, okay. um, so I've, so I've been writing an MS build language service that gives you IntelliSense and analyzers and, uh, code fixes and all that kind of stuff for MS build. Um, and I tried to get uh, a little more smart about that than the than the existing uh, XML uh, schema based telesense you get in Visual Studio on Windows. So it actually has a model of MS Build as a language. So it it understands what items are, what properties are, okay. um, and it can do it can even do things like uh, Intel IntelliSense for conditions and for property functions and all these kind of advanced MS build features. And uh, yeah, I wrote that because a couple reasons. Hmm. Uh, yeah. One reason was I, I missed that functionality when I was writing MS build files. Like hmm. I got so used to having the beautiful Visual Studio IntelliSense experience in every file and then editing MS build files and just having it just like not be giving me that level of assistance of support um of uh yeah of helping me discover things of validating what i was doing and yeah. so on uh, so i wrote it first and foremost for myself the old open source scratch your own itch um thing mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. other reason though was that i see a lot of people working with uh, MS build files and just not really understanding them because there isn't a huge amount of documentation out there. Like it's difficult to like, there's this documentation on MS build, but it's a little bit uh, dry. There isn't really much material on kind of um, learning MS build from someone who's new to it, learning yeah. it as a language. Uh, and that's kind of fine, but it's, difficult that 
you can't really explore it. Like you can't just go into an MS build file and hover over things and get tool tips that tell you what they are. Mm-hmm. You can't just start typing and have it tell you what kinds of things you can do at that point. So I wanted to help make it easier for people to understand and learn MS build by, uh, by giving them that in, in telesense and, 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 and tool tips and so on. Um, because MS build is a fundamental part of the .NET development experience. Yeah. Like everyone uses MS build files and there are some features you can only access via MS build, like some things you have to set an MS build property. Um, you don't have a UI way to, to set mm-hmm. those. So even if you're using Visual Studio, there are still reasons to be able to look at the MS build file and understand it and edit properties. Yeah. Well, I, it's something that pops up in every project, but usually you don't consider it as the the main part of your mm-hmm. job to to write those MS build files. And I I think that's very valuable to to get support there to uh, have like a little bit of someone to pair program with uh, inside your computer to yeah better understand what what you're doing mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's working with Stack Overflow is basically my MS build experience. I I just look up. Uh, I have this one problem. Uh, I need mm-hmm. conditional something, and then I don't know mm-hmm. the syntax. That it it, it just comes up uh, so infrequently that I don't remember any of it. So that's that's very good to have that. Yeah. Yeah, I see a lot of copy pasting where people will just like take something from one project and copy paste into another. And sometimes mm-hmm. it might have things that kind of aren't really necessary uh, anymore. So yeah, I think having analyzers and fixers and so on will also help that kind of problem, like tell people ways they can make their MS build file easier to understand by getting rid of things that are irrelevant or unnecessarily complex. Okay. Yeah. So for anyone who's working on Mac, you can actually install this from the extension gallery right now. On, on Windows, it works, but it currently there are some things i wasn't quite able to figure out to make to allow you to actually open uh, an ms build file at, while a project was open um, so i haven't managed to ship it on windows yet um, but it is available on mac so i'd love to hear feedback uh, from anyone who, who'd like to try it um, on, on on what their thoughts are um, and also yeah. and also yeah for anyone who's more familiar with ms build what kinds of what kinds of analyzers and, and, and fixes and, and refactorings would people like? Um, because I think that that will be a hugely interesting uh, part of the experience to actually help people to improve their MS build files. Um, yeah, because as you say, it's not something that people do very often. And I think that's why it's, it's, it's hard to learn because there isn't really much of a reason to learn it a lot of the time. You just kind of like yeah. do a little bit when you need to, and then you go away because no one wants to be writing build scripts um, kind of something. Yeah, there's usually one, one person on the team who's good at this, uh, who does it. And then that one day yeah. or a week when they're not there, yeah. then you have to fix something. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I've been that I've been that person. And yeah, I'm like, I don't hate writing build logic, but sometimes it gets a little bit, yeah. a little bit frustrating being the only person, you know, <laughs> yeah, so this is the the real Visual Studio that it it integrates into, not code, right? Um, yes, I okay. would. Um, I would like to get it working in Visual 
studio code. Yeah. Uh, that's just something I haven't gotten around to yet. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, it being a free time project, there's, yeah, there's only so many hours in the day and I have lots of other things I do with my time as well. Yeah, well, very, very nice projects. Uh, well, I'll put links to them in the show notes. Um, so what are you up to next? Are you going to stay in the in this former Xamarin space, which is now all .NET 6, or are you moving somewhere else? So I'm still looking at some of the .NET 6 work. Like that's uh, .NET 6 is in preview right now, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but there's still like we're still going to be changing some things before it gets to its final form. Yeah. Uh, so so I'm going to be spending some time just trying to make sure that looking over the whole thing and trying to see where I can provide any feedback to mm -hmm. to teams to to try and make it a better experience. But I'm also starting to look uh, at uh, .NET 7 because we're going mm -hmm. to be releasing on a, on a consistent cadence. Um, so yeah, and for .NET 7, like we have to start planning kind of this far out, thinking about what kinds of, what kinds of themes we're going to have, what kinds of areas we're going to be focusing on. Okay, yeah. So .NET six is the long term support version. .NET mm -hmm. seven will be the uh, the one where you probably add more features. I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, there isn't really a hard split. Like there isn't like the non long term releases. We yeah. don't like those aren't. There's nothing saying that we have to add all the features into those and then the, have the .NET six ones be like slightly smaller and mm -hmm. less exciting. Um, that's a, that's certainly not true for .NET six because right, we have yeah, uh, yeah some pretty things I'm looking forward to there yeah yeah okay I and some of the other PMs have begun looking at what we could do in .NET seven mm -hmm. um, but we don't have a concrete plan for it just yet okay well I'm I'm excited to see what you you come up with next and I really love the direction that .net is is moving I'm I'm a bit sad to see the Xamarin name go and uh, but but I'm I'm also I think it's a good move to mm -hmm. to have everything in the to to maybe have people not not worry about things like that anymore and just think of one one .net and it doesn't matter which mm -hmm. platform it runs on so yeah I, Think I, I like I like that move, and I I that you, you're still after all these years, you're still pushing to get this uh, theme of um, we try to do as much cross-platform as possible. You mm -hmm. mentioned it with the, like the the images and resources, and um, now the the .NET libraries and and everything uh, is is converging, and I really like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of bittersweet, you know, like I I was with Xamarin from the very, very beginning. Um, mm -hmm. And so seeing it kind of, seeing it kind of, it, 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 I don't think of it so much as going away as just kind of transforming into its next, its next form. But it is yeah. kind of sad to see like the name just kind of become less and less and less yeah uh, but it's also very exciting to see it becoming part of .net so it's no longer like a separate thing it's just mm -hmm. it's just part of the v1.net which which is so cool like i would never have expected 
um, that, uh, yeah, uh, when we started. Right, yeah. W when was this? When did you join the team? So I joined the Xamarin team when Xamarin was founded in mid-2011. Okay, yeah. Yeah, um, but I was working, like, we all, we were doing work on uh, on what became Xamarin iOS and Xamarin Android, so Mo Monotouch and uh, Mono for Android uh, back at Novell before that. And I was working on those also, like, mm -hmm. I think it was, like, late 2009 we started on Monotouch. Oh, wow. mm -hmm. So yeah, it's goes way, 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 way back. <laughs> well, awesome. I'm I'm glad to see uh, see this still alive. I mean, mm -hmm. the the code is code is still being used by it's being used by more people than ever, probably. So <laughs> yeah, Great. I'm hoping we can bring it to a lot more people. Like I want to make it as easy as possible to write apps that run on a whole bunch of platforms. So yep. you just download the .NET SDK. And then you type .NET workload install iOS, and you can write an iOS app. Like you don't yeah. have to go and get a separate thing. You just have the .NET SDK with kind of optional pieces that you can. You maybe have to type something extra to get those pieces added in because mm -hmm. it can't give you like a 10 gigabyte SDK <laughs> that has everything already there. Yeah. But you can just download it type the command to tell it what platforms you want to develop for. It goes and gets all of the pieces you need for those, and you have multi-platform development system ready for you. Yeah, very nice. So thank you so much for sharing what you're working on today, being mm -hmm. my guest. Yeah, it's been great. It was great to have a, ch a chance to chat. Likewise. This has been another episode of DevTalk, and we'll see each other again in two weeks. Bye-bye. Thank you.